The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. From Spirituality and Health magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today, Stuart Brody, is the founder of Integrity Intensive, a consulting firm concentrating on ethics, integrity, and leadership training. Mr. Brody's been an advisor to prominent political figures, including presidential candidates, and has held numerous public offices, including Ethics Officer for New York State's Department of Environmental Conservation. He's also taught ethics at the State University of New York and the University of Arizona, and he is a senior scholar at SUNY's Institute for Ethics and Public Life. His new book, which is the topic of our conversation, is The Law of Small Things, Creating a Habit of Integrity in a Culture of Mistrust. Stuart Brody, welcome to Essential Conversations. Oh, thank you very much, Rabbi. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. I, I was going to start out a culture of mistrust. How do I know it's you? But I'll just take your word for it. (laughs) I'll assume you've got integrity. You're not lying to us. The whole book is about integrity. Our conversation is going to be about integrity. The definition that, that you're using for integrity, you define integrity as a state of being whole and undivided. The condition of being unified, unimpaired, or sound. And I, I was wondering if what you meant was that these are three different things and any one of them will will do or unified unimpaired and and sound is all one in the same thing well you, you know rabbi honestly that's a great choice of words when we're talking about integrity uh in fact it's kind of a humorous thing to begin any sentence with honesty what we really mean is uh in in fact or actually when i cited that it was the standard definition it's um, it's the one that maybe Webster's applies, or maybe I, I got it from some uh, conventional source. And really, the point was to to portray that definition as really unilluminating, because we people do know that integrity, the, the integrity of steel, for instance, or the the integrity of a house or a foundation. Uh, it lends itself to descriptions like unified, sound, unimpaired. But I tried to really uh, chart a different way of understanding integrity because 
I think it's important for people to understand what the, what the root of it is in, in a way that they can actually not only understand, but, uh, but implement in, in the course of their uh, moral decision-making. So I've really chosen the following definition, which is integrity is the fulfillment of promises, both explicit and implied. And within those eight or 10 words, there's, there's a universe of understanding to be had. But that to me, Rabbi, is a practical way of understanding what integrity is, essentially keeping your promises. But the key, of course, is that, 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 that does that clarify the good? Because yeah. we have the explicit promises as well as implied promises. And that really plays out in what you, you call the integrity quiz. So for our listeners, you can actually go online. Uh, Stuart's website is Integrity Intensive, all one word, integrityintensive.com. And you can take uh, the IQ test. I, in this case, is the integrity quotient. Uh, so I took the test. <laughs> so I didn't flunk. How'd you do? <laughs> I got I got a B minus. I got an eighty percent. So I don't you know you don't give a scale like oh my god am I in the top two percent or one percent you know I'm gonna have to hire someone to take the test for me. I don't think there's any integrity there, but you know I imagine for fifteen thousand twenty thousand dollars I can hire some guy to to take the test for me and I'll get a higher score. But I did take the test and 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 I want to go through a couple of the questions that I got wrong. And if you can help help me understand where I went wrong, that I think will help the listener understand what you're really talking about integrity. Is that can we do just a couple of those? You bet. All right. So here's here's the here's one that I screwed up. So I'm not quoting it, but this is the, the gist of it. I'm at and, and all of these questions for those who are listening, all the questions are like scenarios, and you have to say, uh, would you do or not do what the question? Uh, says you're going to do. Is it right to do what it says or wrong to do? You'll, you'll get it as I go along. So he says, I'm at a dinner party with friends and someone asks about my position on gun control. Knowing that my strong opinion on, on the matter could be one way or the other, doesn't say what it is, but knowing that my strong opinion on the matter will create discord among us, the guests at the dinner party, I share my thoughts anyway. So the question then in the quiz is, did I do the right thing or do the wrong thing? Is this, a, is this a good thing to do or not a good thing to do? So I said, yeah, share them. But you said, eh, <laughs> wrong, don't share them. And, and my reasoning was, these are my friends. Why, why would, would I not want to have a real conversation with my friends? Real conversation seems so rare to me that this would be a great way to spend dinner rather than just knocking around some banal small talk. So, so why, why was that not the right answer? Well, thank you. I, I, you know, I'd like to think that there's no right or wrong answer. The quiz is designed to, uh, to show people the, the difficulty of navigating apparently simple decisions. That is, uh, common scenarios that we just kind of act, uh, not necessarily with, with thinking about it, or we might say we act with intuition, but there's a complexity to it. And not only is there a complexity to that scenario, which I'm going to go through in a second, 
But the way you answer it can have tremendous implications for the way you act in the culture. And the way we all act in the culture is what causes cultural damage and cleavages and chaos. So the book is really designed to show people that the way we make simple decisions, seemingly trivial, inconsequential, has tremendous consequences for the culture at large. So in that particular scenario, I have to point out, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi, the, the word rabbi means teacher. So as a teacher, I respectfully submit that there's a key detail there that's important, and that is that you know or you suspect highly that you're going to disrupt the party and, uh, and annoy the host. So that puts a different spin on it. Uh, uh, they may be friends, but, but so that the, all those quite the 25 questions, which you very graciously pointed out are available for people to take the quiz online, uh, which is great because you'll get feedback on all 25, uh, not right or wrong, but feedback. And the, the reason why that one is so, it, it's great that you picked that one because in a sense, that was the hardest one. Like our data shows that of the hundreds of people who've taken it, it might be up to a thousand now. Uh, the, that is evenly split. Half the people went the way you did and said, share your opinion. You were asked, you have a duty of truthfulness. Tell the truth, which in this case is your opinion. And the other half said, no, that there, it's not so important to speak out because the consequence of it is to disrupt a party. So Rabbi, what, what we're seeing is the competition of two duties. Mm-hmm. I remember I said integrity is, is, is the keeping of promises. Now let's just assume that promise and duty mean the same thing because they essentially do. So you have a promise of truthfulness, right? And you have, which, which is implied by the way, implied promise to tell the truth. And you have an implied promise, let's call it loyalty to your host, who's a friend, not to disrupt his or her party. And those two don't necessarily clash. The the key to acting with integrity is to figure out a way of fulfilling both. Right. Well, you didn't give us that option. Right. Well, no, I didn't. I, but, but by uh, refraining from blurting out your opinion on, on the, uh, on gun control, I was implying uh, that you really owed a duty of loyalty to keep quiet. But in the description of it, when I had in the chapter on that, on the dinner party, I suggested there are lots of ways to communicate your views to anybody who's interested after the party, um, you know, could take them aside and tell them your views or, uh, give your view in a very modest way. So people understand that, you have a very strong opinion, but you don't want to wreck the conviviality of the party. So in that seemingly trivial example, we see, and thank you for picking that one, we see the, the essence of integrity, which is to wrestle with competing duties and not just lunge at the one that appears to you. That's what we do. That's our tendency. We default to something that seems right, but we ignore a, a competing I'm not going to call it conflicting, but a competing duty. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. 
everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Yeah, that's that's what made it so interesting. I mean that and I mean so let, let me let me share another one with you quickly and we'll move on to something else. So one of the okay. other things I got wrong, this had to do with, you know, a hypothetical situation. Uh, a big meeting is coming up at work. Waiting until the night before to prepare, you remembered you promised your daughter to attend her basketball game that night. You skimp on preparation and attend the game. So I thought integrity, you know, here's my explicit promise was to go to this game. And like you said, now I got a conflicting thing because there's an implicit promise to do my best work. So I figured ah, I'll go to the game and I, I, I'll, if I have to, I'll come back and I'll stay up all night and I'll do the work, you know, the work for the, for the client in the morning. Uh, so I said, I said, yeah, go to the, ba- the basketball game. But the quiz says, eh, nope, got it wrong. So, yeah. Well, actually, the quiz in the description that follows in the book, the, 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 the chapter on that actually endorses your view. You got it right. You go okay. to the game and stay up all night. Oh, right. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? You have to find, you have to find some way to finesse these. No, you have, that's right. But you, you find a way to fulfill. Both fulfill promises. them. Yeah. So, better. Right. Thank you. That's right. So the, pro, thank you. So the promise. So the, so, so the essence of that story is number one, all promises count. Implied promises are equal to explicit ones. The implied promise to be prepared at work for a big meeting is equal to the explicit promise he gave to the daughter. Now in the chapter, we talk about, well, you've got two promises now that compete. Now, who are you going to ask to be released from? Now, you can ask your daughter if she'll release you from the promise. That's a big aspect of integrity. When you're about to breach or you want to breach a promise, you need to ask the person who, to whom you made it to be released. That's a big, big concept. Now, the, you may not want to ask your daughter because children seem to be very unforgiving of breaches. Okay, so, well, then the choice is, and I've heard, and this is the key, Rabbi, I've given this scenario to lots of audiences and people raise their hand and go family first, but they're missing the point. There's no first. There's both. Both have to be fulfilled. That's how we go wrong. We make up our own rules like, well, family's first, but you have a job and you have obligations. And if you're a public official, you have a duty to the public. You have a duty to shareholders, whatever the situation is. So you've got to figure out a way to do both. So actually rabbi, you got it right. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to increase my score. <laughs> I wanted to be a little bit better. Uh, we're, there's so many issues that you raised that I wanted to talk about and we're going to run out of time. So let me, let me throw another, not a question at you, a theoretical thing that you raised that I thought was very interesting. Um, you say that, that, well, well, the title of the book itself is right. It's right in the title, the um, law of small things, and it, it made me think of uh, the broken windows theory of policing. You know, when you when you if you see a broken window and you just leave it alone, and the community doesn't fix the window, it encourages more broken windows, and that encourages graffiti. Encourages, you know, it's, I I don't know if it was Rudy Giuliani in New York, but but someone in in New York was 
brought this this kind of policing to bear. And it absolutely, at least for a while, you know, improved life in the city because they were they were dealing with the small things. So so tell us uh, what how you understand the law of small things. What are the small things? Yeah, so the broken window theory is uh, it's a, it's a good thing to point out because uh, it, it's, it shows the slippery slope when we see wrongdoing, breaches of, of integrity around us, we tend to think, well, if they're doing it, well, maybe I can do it too. One of the biggest things, I mean, I, you know, in the, the first thing, the first question in the quiz and also the first chapter in the book and the most prominent example that I could cite is the white lie. So we tend to think of that as inconsequential. That's a really small thing. You make an appointment, you get a better offer, you call somebody, you call a person up, the first person you say, well, something came up, or you don't say that, you lie. You don't tell them the truth. And, and I really go through that because we were habituated to tell an untruth when we think it's a small thing. And I ask the question in the book, well, if our culture condones something as small as telling a white lie, why should we expect the president of the United States to tell the truth? And that's not a trivial question. That's not a small question. Because the, the ripple effect, the, the habituating imperative of, of telling untruths lends us to greater and greater untruths as long as we can get away with it. The reason why people say the white lie doesn't hurt anybody, it's inconsequential, is because we get away with it. There's no apparent harm. But the harm is that we defeat the expectation of the person we're lying to because they expect the truth. Everybody expects the truth. And we become better skilled at telling lies. And then it ripples effect, it, you know, the ripple effect, is good. it's like the broken pain theory that you correctly point out. And it just has this cascading effect until we have a breakdown of trust. Now, this may be hard for people to follow, but I try to lay it out in the book with lots of examples of how we do this on a daily basis. So where do you think we are now? I mean, here's, here's a huge question for you, but it, you, you write that, that our culture uh, permits promise breaking. And I, and I think you could, just based on what you've just been saying, our culture permits lying. I mean, you know, the first question, and we call it a white lie, a little, you know, it's a small lie. But at some point, we get uh, a situation like we have now with, with our, our president who lies. Um, he can't seem to help himself. He lies continually, constantly. And it there's a breakdown. I mean, I'm, let me let me put it bluntly. I can't believe a word he says then I can't believe a word that the people who work for him say. And then I can't believe, you know, it just cast, it just, yeah, expands out. So I can't believe the press. I can't believe anything. And we end up with a culture of absolute distrust and integrity is, is gone. So how, you know, I'll give you, I won't give you an either or, but on a scale of one to 10, how bad is it? Do you think with the American culture and in our society at the moment? Well, I think it, I think it's a ten, but I I'm not so pessimistic to 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 think that we we can't find a way out of it. I mean, as a people, we're you know we're very resourceful, and we have a a bedrock 
uh, legal structure. And it's pretty strong, and it has weathered these things. See, I don't really think it's about Trump. I mean, I think it's about the culture. Yeah, it's about the culture. So, and I think you 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 raise a good point that we can't uh, trust each other or our structures, you know, our institutions, and the people who represent us and lead us, because we see such rampant, um, you know, breaches of integrity. So how do you change that? Well, it's a really big question. So in 30 seconds, I I would say what people have to do is understand that it's really up to them. If you want to change the culture in a way that increases trust, what can one person do? Well, trust, 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 trust others. And the way you do that is by being trustworthy yourself. So it starts with that. Integrity starts with being trustworthy yourself. I'll I'll leave you with this formulation that truthfulness is a resource for authenticity and can be used that way. And to the extent that we abuse it, well, then we add to the mistrust and and it gets weightier and weightier and harder and harder to shift. I think something, I'm a hopeful person and that's why I wrote the book. I mean, why do I talk about integrity? Because I think people can make the shift and each of us has to do that. Well, that is a perfect place to, to bring the conversation to a close. I was going to ask you, you know, what's one thing we can do? But you just told us, I mean, truth is a resource of, of authenticity. So you can't get more clear than that. Our guest today, Stuart Brody, is the author of The Law of Small Things, Creating a Habit of Integrity in a Culture of Mistrust. You can learn more about Stuart's work and take his integrity quiz on his website, integrityintensive.com. Stuart Brody, thank you so much for talking with me on Essential Conversations. What a pleasure, Rabbi. Let's do it again. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is the bi-weekly podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. Our producer is Ezra Baker and our executive producer is Ben Nussbaum. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.